Why don't you open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 6. We're going to look at that as a text today. When uh, this past week or a week ago, I guess it was, a couple of weeks ago, we went to the library. I had a library card that was probably 30 years old, and I was, we were talking after we, we went and early voted. I said, let's go in the library. So we had to renew our library cards. And it reminded me when I was a kid, I'd walk home from school, and uh, I loved to stop in. The library was right, right on the way, and I'd stop in. And it seemed like I always picked up uh, Cat in the Hat or something that Dr. Seuss wrote. And, and I was just kind of interested in it because he always had a fun way of writing those different things. And there's a lot of different things that he would write, like a uh, couple of quotes. There was a, he wrote a poem about, Oh, oh the Places You'll Go. It says, you have brains in your head and you have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. And, and you know, that kind of, I'd thought about that as a kid. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. You know, you can decide what you want to do in life. And, and uh, you can make a way. And, and uh, in Cat in the Hat, he said, uh, the more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you will go. And so, you know, some of those things early in my life kind of created a desire to to travel or to go or to make decisions and think about, you know, what I want to do with life. And, and so, you know, after kind of thinking about that in the library, I thought, well, hey, you know what? There's some pretty good sayings there. I wonder what the gospel according to Dr. Seuss would, would look like. You ever think about that? I don't think I've ever thought about that before, the, the gospel according to Dr. Seuss. So I thought we might take a couple of weeks and, and look at some of those things. For instance, that first saying that I mentioned there and, and if I had a title, I guess, for this sermon, it might be, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And he says, again, let me, let me read this quote to you. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. Now, the interesting thing about that is we can steer ourselves any direction we choose, but the thing is, is we have to choose which direction we're going to go. And most people find that pretty difficult. I think that they said that in life you make uh, somewhere around 723,000 decisions or something like that, and, and um, about 127,000 of them are, are wrong decisions, things that are regrettable. Um, so I wanted us to think about that in our spiritual life and how important decisions are, what the Bible has to say about making decisions and you know where we should be along this line. Dr. Seuss was good about writing things that, um, where, where kids could understand them, but every once in a while he'd come up with these weird words, these like, nonsense words or something like that. How many of you ever read his poem, uh, The Zode in the Road? You ever read that? That was one that's maybe less, less memorable. But um, he, he says this, listen to this in The, the Zode in the Road. I'll read the whole poem since you haven't heard it. Did I ever tell you about the young Zode who came to a sign at the fork in the road? He took one way and the other way too. The Zode had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zode scratched his head and his chin and his pants. And he said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I go to, to place one, that place may be hot. So how will I know if I like it or not? On the other hand, though, I feel such a fool if I go to place two and I find it's too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue, so place one may be best and not place two. Play it safe, cried the Zode. I'll play safe. I, I'm no dunce. I'll simply start off to both places at once. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, 
went no place at all with a split in his pants. <laughs> you know, that word zoe, though, though it seemed like a non- nonsense word, actually uh, some say that it, there was a Greek word in, in the Greek that it kind of means like a ladder or a stairway, that it really does mean a place to somewhere. And so uh, maybe there was a little hidden thought behind that. And so I guess with those things in mind, we ought to think about what are we supposed to do about making decisions and where are we going to go? The places you'll go, we can choose those things. Um, and so, you know, we find that, um, uh, that the Lord had a lot to say about that and, and his word has a lot to say about that. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. And, uh, you know, Moses talking to the children of Israel in, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he said, you know, uh, place before you life and death. He said, choose life or blessing and cursing. Or ble- you know, there's blessing and cursing that's before you, you know. You're going to choose blessing or you're going to choose curses. What is it? So we've got to choose, but a lot of times we don't want to choose because we're afraid of what the outcome might be. And not so much the decision, but it's like maybe the trip. Is it going to be too hot? are too cool. You know, will we like it or will or not? And um, let me ask you, have you ever had trouble making a decision? You know, tr- wondering, you know, what is this going to be right or not? And especially more of a if you're more of a perfectionist, then you really have difficult time because we want it to be right. We we don't want to make bad decisions. And uh, you know, like the one guy said, I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not sure. And they said, well, why are you not sure? He says, well, half of my feelings are doubts about the other half of my feelings. So, you know, that's about right, you know. Um, We're just not sure what we're supposed to do. And uh, they say that a typical adult makes 27 decisions or judgments a day. And usually starting off with whether or not to turn the alarm clock off or hit snooze. And uh, they said it takes about nine minutes per choice. And so if you figure that up with 27 decisions a day, nine minutes, that's four hours a day you're spending just trying to make decisions. Wow. In the Bible, God is constantly telling his people to make a decision. And um, so we want to look at that today. You know, also, not only did Joshua, you know, tell the people, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Not only did Moses also confront the people, but about 200 years later, from that, uh, Elijah is on Mount Carmel, and he says, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Make a decision. So you've turned to Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, and we're going to see here that we need to make up our minds. Make a choice. Make a decision. Why? Because to decide not to decide is a decision. And uh, one person said the road, the road is paved with flat squirrels who couldn't make up their minds. <laughs> you know? I know, I saw a little squirrel in our road. They, they run across our road all the time. And I thought about that just the other day. He'd run out there and he didn't quite make it. He couldn't decide which way to go. And there you go. Hey, <laughs> life can get you sometimes. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Hmm. When you ask for it, when you ask for the good, the good place, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, just like the Zod 
God tells his people, you're at a crossroads. Hey, and you can't go both places at once. Yeah, you're going to be taking a chance, but uh, you got to move forward. you got to decide which road that you're going to choose. Eternity hangs in your decision. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. You know, and so in our, in, within us and within our decisions, it does impact eternity. You know, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we are his agents of victory here on earth and we represent his dominion and his authority and we're to exercise that dominion and authority in our lives, bringing about his kingdom, then our decisions have impact, right? So, you know, that can, sometimes that can really paralyze some people. Oh my goodness, you know, what I decide is going to last for eternity. Well, one good thing about it is if you make a bad decision, you can always ask God to help you. And correct those things, amen? You know, Jesus talked about this on, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, if you want to turn there. Uh, he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, that's pretty interesting because he says, enter through the narrow gate. He tells us right off the bat which one to go through. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. They just enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. It's almost like that the narrow road, you have to find it, discover it. The broad gate, the broad road is there, and many enter into it. They just go through life. Just doing what everybody else does. Just going with the flow. And there's the broad road. In fact, the world even has a, a, a name for that broad way. It's called broad-mindedness. And narrow road, maybe narrow-mindedness. And, um, see, it, you know, according to what Jesus says there, that this, uh, this narrow road leads to life. But few seem to find that path. But he says, seek and you shall find. You know, knock and it'll be opened unto you. First he starts, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So we've got to do that. You know, that's why we need to, every day when you get up, that you need to be asking God to give you direction. You're going to make at least 27 decisions that day. Don't waste your time on it. You know, that the Lord would help you to know what decision to make. Holy Spirit, give me direction. That's what I ask him to do. Holy Spirit, you help me and you prompt me on what to do. And, uh, you know, they used to say, if you think long, you think wrong. You know, if we're being led by the Spirit, a lot of times we've, the, a prompting comes to us, and, and a lot of times that, that initial prompting is right. Now, you've got you've to check yourself. And that's why we need, to, uh, we need to do some things that Jeremiah is saying here. We'll look at those in just a second. But we need to be influenced by the Word of God. If we're reading His Word, taking in His Word, if we're surrounded by, uh, with, with Christian friends and brothers and, uh, and sisters, then, you know, we're going to have an idea. We're going to have a sense, a, a knowing of what's right. You know, you know in your knower. You really, if, you, if his word is in you and, and his spirit is dwelling in you, you know. And a lot of times it's not that we don't know what to decide. It's just we don't know if we want to choose that or not. Isn't that the case? It's, you know, there's been a lot, there was a lot of times I look back in my life, I knew what to do. I just didn't know if I wanted to pay the price to do that. You know, would I be made fun of if I took a stand? Maybe I ought to just go the broad way. That's big. Makes it a lot easier, you know. There's a lot of acceptance in the broad way. If you take too narrow a stand, well, then you're liable to be ridiculed. 
for what you believe or how you act or, or what you do. Hmm. You know, again, um, some people like the Zod try to compromise. They just want to, well, I'll just go both ways at once, you know. I won't be so, uh, so narrow-minded. And, you know, we're the one that puts those limitations there. And what I've found is if you look at the Word of God and you begin to understand God's grace, thank God for His grace. I'd say God's pretty broad-minded, really, in, a, in the real sense of the word. Not that he tolerates all this, but thank God for his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy. I mean, he accepted you and I. <laughs> That's got to be something, right? Wow. I mean, he decided before the foundation of the world that he would predetermine that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He made a decision before you were able to make a decision to be good or bad. He decided he would accept you on the basis of what Jesus did, not on the basis of what you do, that he would accept you, good or bad, he would accept you by what you believe. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, then you'll be saved. Wow, that's a lot of trust in what we're going to do. But if we follow his word, he knows that if we'll follow his word and listen to his spirit, that we will, our life will change. Well, um, narrow-mindedness. You know, the... Um, they believe it's intolerant. The world believes that being narrow-minded is simply just someone that's intolerant. It's too strict. You know, um, they'll say, oh, a little bit of Jesus is, is a good thing, but don't be too moral. You know, don't be too straight-laced. Don't be too pure. I don't know if I know anyone that's too moral. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I mean, like, the, like Jesus said, he that has no sin, let him cast the first stone. And John said in his writings, 1 John, he that says he has no sin lies and deceives himself. So all of us have, have sin in our life, iniquity, really self-centeredness. So I don't know if I know anyone that's on the face of the earth that is too moral. But, you know, maybe that thought is imposed where people think, well, that's true. You're not going to be careful. Well, what about Jesus? He was the most moral person that ever walked the face of this earth, yet he went into Jericho, and here's all these people, and he looks up at the worst person in the whole town, the, the biggest sinner of all, the chief tax collector that, uh, that could take money to, to put on top of what Rome wanted for tax. He could declare whatever he wanted, put on top of that, and take it from the people. Zacchaeus. He looks up in that sycamore tree and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to your house to eat. And everybody goes, What? What? Who is this man, Jesus? He would go and eat with a, with a, a tax collector, the chief tax collector at that, going to his house. How could Jesus, who is one that is so moral, make a decision like that? Oh, boy, when he did, Zacchaeus says, I've sinned, and if I've wronged anyone, I'll give half of everything that I have back. More than, it was like three or 400% back than what was even obligated in the law. Turned his life around. Jesus, being very moral, made a decision to get involved in his life and change that, Zacchaeus' life, and that changed the whole city. But see, the people looking around, they, they judged Jesus for that. In fact, you, they made comments like, oh, he eats with tax collectors and prostitutes. Hmm. So how do we go about doing that? You see, when you make a decision, it's like you, we don't compromise character. We, 
but we go where he tells us to go. You got brains in your head. You got feet in your, feet in your shoes. You can go wherever you choose. Paul said all things are legal. All things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. You know, you can do whatever you want to do, but not everything's going to be, you know, benefit you. So you got to make it, you got to be careful what you do and where you go. And when Jesus did things like that, he never compromised his morality. But he allowed his light to shine so that those that were around him living in darkness could see that light in him. That's why he tells us we're to be the light of the world. And let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify the Father. See, that's how they see your good works and glorify the Father. Amen? So those are the things that, you know, that we don't make decisions thinking about how hard it's going to be. We ought to make a decision based upon what God's telling us to do. How can I win somebody into the kingdom? What is it all about? It's to win the lost and to develop the saved. Can I win somebody to Jesus by doing that? Or will I hinder somebody to coming to Jesus if I do that? That's the number one thing right there on how to make a decision. Well, there's a broad way, broad-mindedness. It's told, we're told that it's tolerant, to be tolerant, be accepting, you know. We've got a decision coming up here in the next, uh, well, just even early votings here. We've got to make a decision on what you're going to do. You know, are we going to be tolerant and accepting or, or not? And you say, well, I, neither one of these people are any. That's true. But, <laughs> exactly. But what, what impact is going to have down the road? What, what impact uh, is going to take place as far as what we believe on life and and where we can do, what we can do as believers. That's some of the things that we have to look at when we make those decisions. You know, are we going to stand before God saying, or maybe you say, well, I'm not voting at all. I'm not going to make, I'm just not going to do anything. Well, that's a decision. And so when you decide not to do something, then you're actually deciding for someone. And so there, you know, we've talked about this many times. Because we've voted for a lot of people and they haven't won. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you think about it and think, well, what good does it do? What good does it do? You know, did it really make a difference? Well, I'll tell you what, the difference is going to be one day we're going to have to give an account for every word spoken, every deed done in the flesh. We stand for what's right. And one day we have to give an account for that. And so, you know, there's times when you have to make the, the best decision that's going to, to follow along our beliefs. That's a hard thing. We're to be light that dispels darkness. Uh, you know... Christians can get caught up in this thing about tolerance and acceptance and it's a hard thing to do, you know, because sometimes we think, well, you know, people are going to just think I'm just so narrow-minded and, and not accepting. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I don't support gay and, uh, and lesbian marriages. I don't support same-sex marriage because the Bible tells me. Because I'm, my, my thinking, my way of thinking is based upon the Word of God that tells me that that's not right. Now, do I accept that person? Sure I do. Because I know that God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. So Jesus, you know, he accepted the prostitutes and the chief tax collectors and maybe the gay or whatever that was there. They were living in his day. He accepted them and he even went among them. Why? So that they could see the light in him. If we restrict ourselves from that, how are they ever going to see the light? How will they know? You know, unless we are sent. So, yes, you accept, but you don't compromise. 
I remember we, were, we went to, had an opportunity to go to China, and I had always wanted to go to China. It had been closed for many, many years, and I thought, man, it'd be awesome to preach in China because there are people who are still being thrown in jail and being persecuted and even killed to this day right now for preaching in China. And I thought, Lord, here's an opportunity for us to go to China. It's when Sandy was working for Continental Airlines. They opened up a non-stop flight from Newark, New Jersey to Beijing. And so when she said there was a couple of different destinations, and where would I like to go? I said, I want to go to China. She said, China? Why China? I said, because, man, I, just, I want to go preach in China. And so for several months, I tried to figure out, you know, to make contact with a, a preacher or somebody there where we could go preach. Couldn't find out anything. Made every contact that I could contact. There's even Chinese churches in Houston. I try to call, call on them and can you give me a reference? No, nobody give any reference. Why? Because they didn't want to say anything. And so, you know, we looked for an opportunity and finally I got this um, email and it was from this lady and her and her husband were in their uh, late 70s and she said that they were teachers in in Beijing, China, and they taught English to the, the nationals. Would I like to come and read and share at their, uh, at their, their, their book uh, reading or something that they called it? And I'm looking like, and she said, and you can choose anything you want to read. And I was like, okay, I'm getting this. I'm getting this now. I said, sure, absolutely. So by day, we were following the, uh, what do they call it, Continent, continental vacations and whatever I don't know what we did the little thing that they did saw all the sites and in the evening then we got to go and and uh, we went to out of the city went into their area where they ministered we went into an underground church there I got to share and 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 just share the gospel in an underground church in, China, in Beijing China I thought that's how cool is that and we learned and discovered about the persecution that was going on in that particular area and that how that people that you know, they had to make a decision whether or not they were going to take a stand and be a Christian and be persecuted for it or not. You know, and the pastors, they would have to, in, in, in the church, they had to submit their sermons to the government and the government had to approve them and give them back in some of these churches. But they had to decide if they were going to do that or were they going to go and preach in the underground. What to do. On this tour that we were going on through the, during the day, this, uh, our tour guide, he was, uh, he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. And so I said, oh, that, that's interesting. I said, um, can you tell me about that? Now, you know, most Christians might say, oh, an atheist. Well, I can't have nothing to do with an atheist. Nothing to do with them. I mean, you know, they just don't believe in God. Well, I can't have anything to do with them. And I'm thinking, you know what? Here's a, here's a great opportunity. <laughs> and here's a big challenge. Let's see if we can get this guy saved. And I thought, Lord, just give me an opportunity. So I said, well, tell me about that. How's that? I started to say, do the Dr. Phil thing. How's that working out for you? <laughs> and so, you know, he began to say, well, you know, and then over this course of a week, you know, China had been led by many emperors. And these emperors would say that they're God. They were God. And they would do all these things. And, and uh, you know, in fact, we went to the Moon Palace and they have this little, this little temple, or not a temple, but it's a little thing. It's a little round Dome, open, I don't know what it is. Anyway, it's, it's one of those things, you know. And so uh, when you walk in this area, the whole outer ramp, uh, ring is, is uh, surrounded by brick. And it's um, fairly high. And it's really smooth. And they talked about that when they made those bricks, they had to make them out of a special mortar that was mixed with eggs. And they were real smooth. And you couldn't hardly feel the, 
the, the seams, the joints where they were put together. And the reason for that was so that it would echo because the emperor would go into his, to this place where only God could go, and when he would take a step out, it was for him to go pray. So if he was praying, and if you're God and you're praying, you're actually, I guess you'd have to be praying to yourself, right? So when he spoke, then he had to hear himself speaking back to him. So what he had, had done was they created this thing so that when he spoke, it would echo back. Now, this is a pretty amazing thing, and we tried it out. The first stone, when you step out, you speak, and he, he goes, hello, hello. You step on the second stone, hello, hello, hello. It's twice coming back. The third one, it echoes three times, and it works that way. You know, in fact, there was so much pressure put on those, the workers that they had to sign the bottom of the brick, and then the, the person over their particular, I'll say, crew had to sign his name. And if there was ever a crack or something, that, a default in that particular stone, they would go to the, the overseer, kill him and his family, go to the person who made the brick and kill them and their family. That's some quality control right there. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> hey, there's not a crack in any of those to this day, I guarantee you. You know, and so I'm thinking, okay, well, here's this guy that's been raised, that's been told by men that they're God. And every time these emperors, they would die. And the people go, oh, we, well, we gave our life and we gave all this effort and, and all these things to who we thought was God and we, they died just like we died. And so what they, what they learned was, you know what? There's no God. That's not a God. That was just a man like me. So why, wouldn't they, why would they believe that there was a God? Everything that had ever been told to them that was a God had died, just like every man had. And so as he would share, you know, I'm listening to this, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So I knew a little bit about Taoism and how the beliefs of that, and so I'd throw a little, I said, tell me a little bit about Taoism. And, and um, so he would share, you know, and it has a lot of similarities about Jesus and some things. And so when he would tell me that, I'd go, oh, you know, that's interesting. You know, that's just like what I believe. Now, see, you can't necessarily preach, but you can discuss. So when he would say something, well, you know, what I believe is that, that Jesus is God's son and then bring that application, that parallel, that thing. All week long, little things, little things, little things here and there. The last day of the week, we were someplace, Sandy was shopping. I'd had enough shopping. So I was out there with him. And I was like, okay, Lord, we're getting down to the wire here. And as he began to share some things, it just opened up. It was a perfect parallel. I can't even remember exactly what it was. And I told, and I was able to share the gospel in a simple form, just parallel it to him. And I said, that's what I believe. And you know what? Because the God that I believe in is the creator of the universe. He created all things. And he loved us enough to send his son who died. But I said, you know, the only one that's not still laying in, that claimed to be God, that's not still in their own tomb? is Jesus, and he's gone. And I said, you know, that's who I believe. And I challenge you to believe that too. And so he looked at me, and you could see the gears turning. And I thought, okay, I'm sowing the seed. And Lord, you give me the next opportunity. It didn't come up for him to actually confess that to me. But I believe that that man, I, you know, I believe he's a Christian today because of those things. Now, you know what? I could have thought, well, I don't want to, you know, I could have rejected him because he was not a believer. He was an atheist. Oh, I don't want to have anything to do with him. You know, or I can accept him and, and ex understand why he comes from the way he comes from his thinking and try to change him and let my light shine. Instead of letting his darkness override, I can let my light shine. People, we got to make a choice. You can choose where you want to go. You choose where you want to go. So I think that narrow-mindedness, in a sense, is not non-acceptance. It really is acceptance. It's just refusing to be 
you know, to, uh, to lower your morals to that. You don't have to do that. Jesus didn't have to do that. We need to learn to be like him. You don't need, as they used to say, don't, see, don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. You know, there's some people that they think they have to be so spiritual that they can't even relate to anybody. You think anybody's going to listen to you like that? So don't be like that. You know, that is shutting people off. So don't be narrow-minded. The narrow gate that Jesus was talking about is not being narrow-minded. It's following that path and refusing to just stray off of it. Choosing which way to go, not trying to go both places at once. Hmm. Well, you know, people say, well, you know, God will understand. And they'll compromise. And they'll, well, you know, well, I'll go out and, and, and drink with the guys or the girls or whatever. And we'll, you know, whatever. And, and uh, I can sleep around or this or that. You know, God will understand. Well, will he? Will he? Or can you go out and be you? Or be who God created you to be? Can you be light? Not judgmental, but just be light. Be a standard bearer. Let somebody see Christ in you in the midst of that, how you can enjoy life right there without having to compromise your values. Wow. Hmm. I think we can. See, we can choose which way we're going to go. We got brains in our head, <laughs> right? We got feet in our shoes. The feet, this is how lovely on the mountain are the feet of them that bring good news. Man, our feet ought to be so beautiful. <laughs> it really should. Well, listen to what, what God said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, about what we're to do and, and if we are actually trying to take both roads. See, because some Christians try to take both roads. They want to be, they want to play the world and then be the Christian when they can. You see what I'm saying? They want, to, they want to go both roads. And you can't do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And that means to be like in agreement with them and where that you're tied, that your decisions then are based with, on their decisions as well. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Uh, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. There's a key thing. I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God. We can live with them. We can walk among unbelievers, and, but we can still be light, a light of the world. He says, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come out. So you say, well, see, right there, pastor, that's where the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. See, you shouldn't even have been talking to that, that atheist. That's not what he's talking about. It means that don't try to merge your values with theirs. You can't take both roads. You've got to be separate in your own values because when you listen, you can say, oh, yeah, well, you know, but what I believe is such and such. And not to argue, not to argue, but to enlighten. And you get permission to do that. You, gotta, you know what? To, yeah, there's, a, there's a degree of trust that's extended. And so that has to be earned. You've got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves is what Jesus said. You know, you've got to let that... Uh, let, that person that's searching for things, the person that's walking in darkness, want to ask you how to do it. 
I remember one time when uh, we, were, we had the Sportster and we were doing uh, the raffle tickets for that Sportster for our building. And Charlie and I had taken that to, oh, I can't even think of it. There's a, a biker bar out on 646 in 2004. Can't think of the name of that now. Huh? Cruisers. And so we were out there and uh, a lot of people had come and go and I was listening to the music. Man, these two guys were in there just tearing up the guitars. It was awesome. I'm like, wow. And so we had, uh, had done an event with Texas um, Search. What do they search for people that are? Equisearch. Yeah. Thank you for helping me preach this today. I've been sick all week. I don't know if that's affected my memory and some things or not. But anyway, so uh, I noticed a couple of the guys that were members of that kind of standing at the edge there because it was all open. And I went over and I said, man, who are these guys? And so they said, well, they were actually had diff- two different bands, but they were kind of like doing a battle of the guitars. And I said, man, they are awesome. And they go, yeah. So we're talking a little bit. And so I... Uh, I thought, man, I want to see, I want to see some, I want to see some action, you know. Man, they were just tearing it up. So I said, man, I'm going to go over here and stand over here a little bit. I want to really watch them. So I walked over, and the bar was over here. So I was at the end of the bar, and the little stage was right there. So, man, I'm getting a great view of this. And the bartender come up and says, can I get you something to drink? I said, uh, yeah, I have a, a Diet Coke. He goes, okay. So he brought me a Diet Coke. And so I was standing there drinking my Diet Coke and watching these guys just tear up the guitar. I'm just fascinated with this. And so here comes this old biker, and he's, you could just see his eyes were red. He was kind of staggering. And he's a rough old outlaw biker. Comes right up to me. Alcohol about intoxicates me. He says, I see you're drinking a Diet Coke. I go, yeah, man. If I get enough nerve up, I might get me a, a regular Coke here in a minute. You know? <laughs> he kind of, didn't, he didn't even laugh. I mean, he didn't even, be, you know, like, mm, okay. You know? So he says, looks at me. And I mean, he just, Gets right down and looks at me. He says, and I'm thinking, oh, here it comes. I respect that. <laughs> I go, I start to say, praise God. <laughs> Figured he might not understand that. You know? I said, well, okay. And he goes, takes a real man to come in here, stand at the bar, and drink a Diet Coke. And I go, well, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I said, but, you know, he goes, there's a lot of people in here that need to be drinking Diet Coke. And I'm thinking, yeah, you ought to be one of them, you know. <laughs> and so he kind of goes up. I don't know if he went up and got him something else to drink. I'm sitting there thinking about that. I thought, now, wait a minute. I didn't come in here to stand up here at the bar and hold a Diet Coke up and say, okay. Everybody in here ought to be drinking Diet Coke. What's wrong with you guys? You know, I was just fascinated by the talent of these two guys, these two, two guitar players, and didn't even think anything about it. But yet, there was still light, light that was there shining. You know, now some people can't do that. Maybe in your life, you'd be tempted to to get something to drink or something like that. If that's you, then don't do things like that. Don't go there. I don't have a problem with that. That doesn't tempt me or whatever. And so, but that little bit of testimony right there affected that guy. Now I didn't know that. But it did. God can put you in places where that you can live among them, but yet you can let your light shine that will glorify God. Just watch for opportunities. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't take both roads at once. If I'd have gone in there and thought, oh, boy, wait a minute. I'm, I'm in a biker bar, and I'm at this bar, and there's people all around drinking. I better at least get me something here, hold me a beer in my hand. Why would I want to do that? So that they wouldn't think that I was whatever? You know, and of course, when he came up and asked me that, I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, I never even thought about it. People, though, we've got to maintain our testimony no matter where you are. We've got to learn to be like 
like Paul said, that, or like Jesus said, that we can uh, walk among them, live with them, and yet, as he said, and be God, we gotta be light in the midst of wherever we go. You can't choose both roads. You gotta make a decision. You gotta, cho- you gotta make a choice and decide uh, what you're gonna do and how you're gonna live. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, you can't serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't try to live a double life. you got to live the life that God's designed you to be. And in the midst of that, he'll give you wonderful opportunities. Things that you can just sit back and just say, that was so cool how God worked that out. Where you don't have to compromise your values. Now I want to tell you, Satan will always be present to try to tempt you. And try to get you to not be light. The, worst, the last thing he wants is for you to, to let the light of the gospel or, or the glory of God shine through you and somebody see that and, and change their life. He doesn't want that. You know, you simply can't uh, uh, do this double thing. You can't go this double road. You've got to make a decision. But if you decide not to decide, that is a decision in itself. And you're going to end up like the the zode in the road not going anywhere and you're going to rip something for sure. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 he tells us how to make the right choices. The first thing he says is stand at the crossroads and look. When you're at that point of decision he says stand at the crossroads and look and the way I boil this down is realize how important this decision is. When you're at that crossroads you look you need to look around and see how important is this decision and every decision is an important decision, and it can be a spiritual decision. Amen? You know, God says that you're at the crossroads. Realize that you've got to make a decision, and you can't take both roads. You can't say, well, I'm going to try to take both roads here. You know, it just, you just can't do it. And sometimes it, it won't be uh, that hard to really to know which path it is. A lot of times we'll know. It's just that we might think that how difficult it's going to be after we make that decision. You know, like I said a while ago, the more that you know the Word of God and the more time that you spend around believers and and fellowshipping with with believers, the more obvious the right choice is going to be. In The Cat in the Hat, Dr. Seuss wrote, the more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. So, you know, stand at the crossroads and look. You know... Realize how important this is. And then, what does the Word of God say about this? That's why we need to read His Word. And the more that you learn, hmm, now the more places you're going to go with Him. The problem often doesn't lie in, in knowing which road to go or which road is the right one. Again, it's like, which one's going to be the, the most fun? <laughs> There's not going to be real fun on this trip. It might be too hot. It might be too cool. Uh, you know, you risk being made fun of or persecuted or rejected or somebody might just say, well, you know, you're just a Christian and whatever. You know, I remember Sandy telling me some things when she worked for Continental Airlines that they'd have office parties or various things like that and a lot of times she didn't participate in that, uh, that particular thing. And didn't, you don't go to judge people, you just don't participate in that particular activity. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right? We all know that. How many of you know John 3.17? A few. 
For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. If God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn it, he sure didn't send you and I into the world to condemn it. That the world through him might be saved. So that they might see our good works, as he said, and glorify the Father. We don't go to judge. But when you're faced with a decision, you can make that decision and not compromise your values. The thing is, is that you need to make a decision, make a choice. And that choice, other people are going to see that choice. And you know what? It can glorify God. They might not want to evidence it because they might not think that they want to be associated with you at this particular time. But I guarantee you, whenever they need prayer, who do they come to? Right? You know, when they need something spiritual, who do they come to? Yeah, you know. So what are we going to do? Uh, I, I read about um, this missionary in Colombia and said that she was kidnapped and told that she had only two hours to live. Now think about this. You've been kidnapped and they come and tell you you have two hours to live. What would you do? She told her captors that if she only had two hours to live, she wanted to spend it telling them about Jesus. That's pretty fascinating, huh? And I don't let anybody fool you into thinking that this choice to serve Jesus is easy. It's not always easy. But it's never impossible. But in serving him, that's when you begin to see his miraculous power and to see the opportunity for testimony. You know, we stand at the crossroads. And when you stand, he says, look. Look around. And, and notice that this is going to impact someone and make that decision that counts. Count the cost. Know that it might, it might get difficult. It might get difficult. But, you know, can you trust God? Sure you can trust him. He'll be with you. It's a narrow road, and, and uh, there is a reason why few find it. A lot of them don't find it because they're not looking for that road. And then a lot of people don't choose that narrow road. But he says that then you'll find rest. Jesus says that. The second thing that Jeremiah lets us in on in, in his writing, he says, uh, ask for the good road. Ask for the good road. You know, don't just look at the roads, but ask for advice. You know, we are, men are always, we're always made fun of that we don't ever want to stop and ask for advice. But I, I do. <laughs> or I, we, I ride with a GPS. Well, that'll get you into trouble too, believe me. But uh, he says, ask for advice because sometimes the choice will be hard to figure out on your own. And so it's okay to ask for advice. Look to God's word and, and check out his word. Look to your spiritual peers and, and check it out and see, what is God saying? Go to your friends, go to your experts, go to your spiritual leaders and, and people who you've been, uh, who've been where you've been and had to make maybe uh, the same choice that you've made. And which path? Should I take which road is the right road? And listen, you know, ask, where, where is the good road? Ask for the good road. In Proverbs, it says, uh, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, like that one guy said, if you don't, uh, the guy said he didn't know. He said, if you don't, you don't know, you don't know, you need to ask somebody. You know, you, know, you don't make a decision or, you know, mess up because you don't know. You know, why'd you do that? I don't know. Don't, you don't know. You better ask somebody, you know, before you get into something making, making a mess. And so um, ask somebody about it. Again, in Proverbs 15, it says, without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, uh, they are established. And so... Um, Learn all that you can from the mistakes of others. I see who Eleanor 
Roosevelt, I think, said this. Learn all you can from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. That's a pretty good quote. You know, learn all you can from the mistakes of others because you can't live long enough to make them all yourself. So find out, what did somebody else mess up? That's why the Bible, I love it. You know, I'm sure glad I didn't live back then. It had been full of me and my bad mistakes and my bad choices. Because you read about these people, and we're seeing where they made a a poor decision. They made a bad bad choice, and we get to learn, learn from their bad choice. Well, look around, and then ask somebody, and see where they made a bad choice, and then discover that and learn from that. Yeah, but, you know, remember that, that age of where even when we heard somebody else and their mistake, we knew, that, well, well, that's not going to happen to me, right? Remember all those things? Yeah. And then did it happen to you? Yes, it did. <laughs> so the smart thing is is to listen, <laughs> you know, ask somebody, where's the good road? You know, where did you mess up? You know, and how did that work out for you? And, and then find it. And then the third thing is like that commercial, just do it. <laughs> you know, make a decision. Once you've, you know, you've stood there and you've considered and you realize the importance of it and you've asked somebody, you've, just, you've checked it out, you've researched this thing, then pull the trigger, you know, make a decision. I bought a handgun a few months ago. That's the first handgun I've ever bought in my life. I, I've got rifles. I've, I've hunted ever since I was, as, I can't remember how young I was. I've uh, been around guns all my life, my dad. Has, and, and I've had handguns. I've got some old Colts. Uh, single-action army colts that I inherited and some things like that, but I never bought a handgun and because I just, I, and I never felt like I was very good at that. So went out to practice at the, at the range uh, shooting and um, so discovered some things. So, you know, you have to take this concealed carry uh, course. And so I thought, well, let's just go through a practice thing here to see how that works out, you know, not, not for real, but just for practice. And the first one pops up and it's, what do you get, like, Two sh- three shots in, in two seconds, or what is it? Or, uh, yeah, one in two seconds, and you have so many shots. Well, so I pulled up, and I'm going, okay, let's see. So I'm flipping and turning around. Oh, whoop, I missed it. I missed it. You, you got to pull the trigger. <laughs> you know, so, oh, can I make that one up? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you, know, you know, well, I lost that one. So after that, it was like, you know, side in, get it down there, and pull the trigger. So I lost out on that one shot because, hey, I came down, I looked at it, it was right there. The only thing left was I needed to pull the trigger. So many times in our, in our life we have these decisions and we come and we realize, okay, this is it. This is really it. You know, it's out there. And we check it out. We got it right in our sights because we've researched it out. We, you know, got it all around. Oh, there it is. So there it is. So now what? Pull the trigger. You know, it's better to shoot and miss than never shoot at all. That's, what I'm, I'm, that's my philosophy now after going through that, you know. But that's how, how close is that to our life is that we, we say, oh, this is an important decision. We research it. We check with people. We see what they did and what they did right, what they did wrong. See what the word of God says. And then we get it there. We're like, oh, man, but I just don't know. I just don't know. Hey, it's time to make a decision. <laughs> Reminds me of the old joke about the psychiatrist who asked the patient if he was having trouble making decisions. He said, well, uh, the patient said, well, doctor, yes and no. <laughs> you get that in a minute. So Jeremiah says, ask where the good way is and walk in it. Ask where the good way is and then walk in it. Go out and start, you know, make that decision. Pull the trigger. Go on out there. Start walking in it. It's not, it's not good enough to simply say, you know, I want to walk with Jesus. I've got to decide. Remember that old song uh, that uh, I have decided to follow Jesus? 
You know, you got to decide to follow him and then take a step and start following. Start that walk. You know, you can't talk the talk all day. You got to walk the walk. And, uh, you know, if you're just talking the talk, you're not going anywhere. And when you start walking the walk, then you're making some progress. You know, and that's the, the message from this Dr. Seuss poem, I think, you know, about the Zoden Road, is that, you know, he, he said, you know, well, I don't know, I can't, I have to take a chance, so I'm just going to follow each one, and he can't, he can't go, he can only go so far trying to follow each road. So he went nowhere with a rip in his pants. He couldn't, he, he had come to the crossroad, and he couldn't decide. You know, there was a guy that uh, was retiring, and he had this great track record of success and making these awesome decisions and putting the company, you know, making a lot of money for the company. And, and so this younger guy comes up to him and he says, um, he said, can I ask you some questions? He says, yeah. he says um, what do you attribute your success to? And the guy says, two words, good decisions. The younger guy thinks about it and he says, uh, well, how do you know how to make good decisions? He says, one word, experience. So the young guy's sitting there and says, well... How do you get experience? Two words. Bad decisions. <laughs> so, you know, you only get to those good decisions after maybe making some bad decisions or learning from somebody else's bad decision. But the thing is, is that if you're going to be successful, you've got to make decisions, and they can be good decisions when you check them out. So I'm going to challenge you in the, from the Word is, you know, find out what the Word of God says you got challenges in your life. We all do. You're going to have decisions. you got decisions to make today. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You know, if God is God, then serve him. If not, then you just go ahead and serve the other God. And, you know, that's, you know, that sounds okay here, but boy, in Africa, that's a real deal there because it, they don't play around. You know, we ought to be more serious about things here you know, they have to be serious about it because, you know, the, the average life expectancy there is in their 30s because of the, you know, the, the death rate over there because of the uh, sickness and disease that they go through. You know, it, they get serious about that, about decisions, because it doesn't last very long. When we went over there the first time we went, they were wanting us to do crusades here and crusades there and all this stuff. And I said, well, you know, uh, hey, well, let's do, you know, let's, let's check out these, uh, to, to do these, these uh, clinics and everything. Oh, okay. Well, the clinics were important. Finally, I said, well, what's the deal with, with that? wanting that you're always wanting to just do these evangelistic crusades? He says, it's important to get people saved. I said, absolutely. It's important to get people saved. I'm in agreement. But I said, it's also important for people to get healthy and live and live a good life. And I said, and he was looking and so I could see these gears just, they're struggling. He said, but people are dying every day. And see, the death rate there was so high, even from those that were sick. The clinics were important to get people healthy, but something that was more important was get them saved today because they might die tomorrow. Get them saved today because they might die tomorrow. You know, the decisions that we're conditioned to make here might not work in Africa or someplace else. We've got to say, God, what do I need to do? And stand at that, the crossroads and ask for the good road and, and then uh, check it out and, and ask somebody or ask the word of God. Discover what it is and then walk in it. Walk in it. You know, because it literally is a crossroad because there's a cross there because that decision can mean eternity. 
You know, if you're here today and you've never made a decision for Christ, and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm going to, I know that that's important, but I'm going to check it out. You know, I'm just going to wait a little while. I, I want to live my life. You ever been there? Maybe some of you were there. You think, oh, man, if I get saved and it, life is over, <laughs> it's all over. You know, I can't do anything anymore. That's what I used to think. I was like, oh, then I can't have any fun anymore if I get saved. You know, I know it's important, but I don't know if I, you know. And so, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you got to make a decision. It comes a time when you got to make a decision. What I discovered was life wasn't over when I accepted Christ. Life just began. Real life just began. Fun, real fun, just began at that particular time. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. If you're here today and you're not, you haven't made that decision for eternity, maybe you've been there, you're at the crossroads and you've examined it and, and you've tried to make this decision, but you think, well, I just want to wait just a little bit longer. I've got some other things I want to do. I've got just a few more things I want to do, and then I'll make this decision. Then I'll give my life to Christ. He says, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Let me tell you, you might not have another five minutes. You might not have another ten minutes. You might not have another day. We don't know. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Everybody has an appointed time, and we don't know when that's going to be. But the thing is, is that you need to make a decision a decision for Christ. So if you're at that crossroads and you're thinking, well, I just, I know I need to make that decision, but I just want a little bit more of that broader way. Really? Do you? Do you? I challenge you today to choose Christ. If you're not sure that you've made that decision, if you're not sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, why don't you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, I want to make that decision today. I want to choose Jesus today. It's your choice. Anybody here this morning? Maybe you know somebody that's like that. Would you make a, a decision today to ask God to give you wisdom and the opportunity to be light to that person? To watch for opportunities to share the gospel so that at that time that you can present it to where they have to make that decision for eternity and you can play a part in their life I really expect to see that Chinese tour guide in heaven I really do I really do I believe he saw some light all the way everything that he'd been taught and raised told him that there was no God I believe that he had opportunity to hear the gospel there's somebody in your life that needs to make a decision I challenge you to ask God to help you to accept them and be a witness to them what about you in your Christian life are you trying to go both ways both roads at once it won't work you can't do that you can't serve two masters you can't walk two roads you can only go on one road So I'm going to ask you today, will you choose to put Jesus first? Dedicate your life to him and that the decision that you make are going to be based upon him and his kingdom? What's going to further his kingdom? What's going to matter the next in five years if we're here or ten years if, if the Lord tarries? 
I tell you what, what's going to matter for eternity? So the decisions that you make and the roads that you follow, we will have to give an account for them. Can you stand before the Lord and give an account and say, yes, Lord, the road that I'm traveling, the road that I'm following is the road that I know that you've marked out for me. It's the race course that, I mar- that you've marked out for me. In Hebrews, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles you and run with perseverance the race course marked out for you. That race course is that, it's that narrow road for you. It's the road that you, it's your lane. There might be a lot of lanes out there on that track and field that you're, but your lane, you know, you got to hold your lane. So are you running the race marked out for you? Are you dragging around weights and letting things entangle you and pull you to the, the broad way? I challenge you to lay them aside and dedicate yourself to the Lord and to His way that He's marked out for you. If you're saying to the Lord, say, Lord, that's, I want to walk the way that you've marked out for me. It's a narrow way, but I want to find it. Every day when I get up, I want to choose that way. And I'm making a choice today to set myself in a position to discover the road you have marked out for me. If that's you, just to the Lord, can you just raise your hand to him and say, Lord, that's me. I want to walk in your way, in the way that you have marked out for me every day of my life. I'm going to check you out every day. I'm going to ask you, Lord, help me to walk in the path you have marked out for me. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man come to the Father but by me. So when we put him first and allow him to help direct our paths, we're walking in that. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for it right now. We thank you for your direction, your leadership. You don't bridle us down and hold us back. You give us full reins, but you are wanting us to be responsive to you and to the way that we're to go, the way that we're to follow. So Lord, help us to to be mindful of you and your word and help us set our feet apart and be set apart for you. Let them be fitted with the preparation of the gospel, of the good news, that we'll go the places that you go, that we'll follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Will you stand with me this morning? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, we'll look at a few more, a couple more Dr. Seuss uh, things in the gospel according to Dr. Seuss, maybe in a couple weeks ahead. But we're going to be dismissed right now. Brother Sam, would you dismiss us in prayer, please?